We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister, and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's all one word, Andy and Don. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good to see morning, you. Good morning, Scott. Happy long weekend, everybody. Yeah. Yes. Boy, finally. Uh, consolidating your portfolio. I guess you want everything under one umbrella, don't you? Well, you know what? And this is kind of thing, when we see clients or p- potential clients, they, it's not like all of a sudden they want a lottery. Yeah. And, and they just say, oh, we've got some money. It's usually that they've built up money over the years. And it's quite often it's, it's spread over different institutions. There might be some with a bank, some with a credit union. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll have a an advisor already. Most times I would suggest people with um, a decent net worth will usually have an advisor. And quite often I find that they have two and sometimes three. And I go over the situation, I'm looking, okay, what is the purpose of having your money spread over so many different opinions? And a lot of them will say, well, it's to diversify. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm gonna-, I'm gonna somebody just, goes bankrupt. Yeah, I'll just diversify it. And, and maybe that's part of it, that they don't feel, you know, just in case one institution doesn't last, maybe I'll go in the other one. Yeah. Which doesn't have any validity at all because you're investing, whatever you invest in is is how safe it is. So if you're in government bonds, mm-hmm. it's backed up by the government. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you had it a million, a trillion, yeah. how many institutions, it doesn't matter how much dollars you have, it's still government bonds. Here's one reason I've had for that. And, you know, I've been guilty of that as well. Uh, or my wife has separate situation from, from what I do. And where we have found that that has been an advantage is when it's mortgage time or what have you, or this, that, or the other, and then you can play one against the other. That for me, you know, that seemed to work. But again, you, you know, for the one or two times that may happen yeah. over a lifetime, you may be paying too many fees, da 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 and uh, it's actually, that's not a bad thought because, you know, you can negotiate perhaps a better rate. Yeah. You know, yeah. with, with um, having money. Interesting enough, the more money you have with one institution, even the better rate you'll get. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Our, our clients that have, say, over... But I, think, I, don't, I don't think many people or, or institutions think that, you know what, if we don't make this customer happy, they're just going to take everything lock, stock, and barrel over to another institution because right. it's too much work. Yeah, it is, just, it is a little bit of work. It's yeah. g- generally speaking, though, it's all done by the institution yeah, moving it to. Yeah, that's true too. So yeah. they sign a bunch of forms. Yeah. You don't actually do other th- anything yeah. other than sign. We send it to the institution mm-hmm. and then they send us a check and we re- reestablish it. But it is so nice that you don't, you don't make any more money by splitting it up. Mm-hmm. So if you're making 10% there and 10% here, well, no, we, money, do, money doesn't know the, any difference yeah. to yeah. Where, where, it, where it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly it, it has no recollection, no concept. It doesn't know it's home. No. <laughs> yeah. But it actually is interesting. It, it makes it a lot better for yourself. So you'll make the same mm-hmm. amount of money, if not more, mm-hmm. and you're helping out your own situation. And actually, it could make your portfolio far more tax efficient. Um, perfect example is if you have a lot, you know, most portfolios will have fixed income, things mm-hmm. that pay interest, and equities. And those are usually stocks or mutual funds invested in stocks. And they could be all over the world. Mm-hmm. So you look at the portfolio, and if we only get half the information, okay, just invest a portfolio, which isn't how Andy and I work, first yeah, of all. We yeah. need to have all the information. But a lot of advisors, they'll just, won't, they may not even know about mm-hmm. the other institution. They say, okay, here's a half a million dollars. You look after it. Well, if we don't know what's going on in the other half, how are we supposed to invest that money properly? Yeah. And so we, if you end up building, say, a 60% equity, 40% fixed income portfolio, mm-hmm. that both of you have the same portfolio, yeah. you're not, you may not be tax efficient, meaning 
it, you may want to have all your fixed income in an RSP or a RIF or your tax-free savings account because you're not paying in, in the income and, tax and, on and that. In the situation I was using the example of, it wasn't really financial planning, it was banking. Financial planning, you yeah. have to, the left hand has to know what they the right hands do. They right have to, and it really, otherwise you're handcuffing the, yeah. the both advisors for that mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. And that's also when you end up paying a lot more. Sometimes, for example, is uh, over contributions to a tax-free savings account. Mm-hmm. This is happening so often, and I would say banks are actually the worst culprits of this. They'll simply, uh, the teller will say, yep. you know what, uh, you've got some extra money in that account of yours. Uh, why don't you add it to your TFSA? Oh, sure. Yeah. Not knowing about the limits. They've, you know, they should be, by law, ask, do you have a TFSA elsewhere? Right. And if so, how much you have in that TFSA? But really, to be frank, it makes far more sense of all your TFSAs with one institution. Because yeah. otherwise... You know, if you start taking money out and putting it back in, um, you, can obviously, you can't put it back in the same year you withdraw it. Mm-hmm. And so quite often you'll take it out of one institution, put it into another institution. The other institution doesn't even know that you took it out. Yeah. And therefore you've over, already over contributed. It's a 1% per month penalty. So again, coming down to having one advisor looking after your net worth. And again, going back to the first point, having your money so that you have your fixed income in in the registered investments and your equities in the non-registered. Mm-hmm. Again, the capital gains, far better tax rates, half the tax rates, and dividend income can be tax-free up to about 44,000 a year of income. Mm-hmm. So again, but you're missing out on that if you have it in your RSP or TFSA. Right. So, and then you'll end up with all this interest income you shouldn't be paying tax on. Right. So you, overall, you'll have the same portfolio. At the same time, you'll pay way more tax if mm-hmm. it wasn't under one roof. Right. So. The other side of it, which is kind of interesting, one I, I didn't really think of until I kind of dove into this a bit more, was if you own the same stock or ETF at two, or f- two different institutions. Again, money doesn't know it's in two different institutions. Yeah. And you have to figure out the adjusted cost base yourself. Normally, the institution will figure out what you paid for it. But because you own the stock in two different places, it's not considered two different stocks. Mm. It's one stock and you have to work out the average cost between the two of them. So if you sell a stock at one institution, they will tell you what your capital gain would be. Mm-hmm. But that capital gain could be very wrong because they don't know you what the, uh, the cost was at the other place. Right. And so it makes it very complicated for tax, plan, uh, tax filing. And so trying to get that adjusted cost base splitting over to a couple institutions, very difficult. Um, th- fourthly, I, and this is uh, even more so, more every day, is it lowers the fees the more money you have with one institution. Mm-hmm. I know Investors Group has a grid, and every time you go over a certain line in the sand, say say a million dollars as an example, your fee drops on all your money, mm-hmm. right to ver- your very first dollar. Right. So if you had five hundred thousand in two different places, you could be you'd be paying about a quarter percent more. Right. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah. In fees, um, just to have it split over that, you know, a quarter percent on a million bucks is a fair bit of money. So I'd rather see that in my client's pocket, but again, makes it easier for you too, and you're not making any more money. So at the end of the day, it's, it's just easier to make more sense of your overall plan to have it at one institution. So then you look at, okay, well, what would, which one should I move it to? Well, you could look at the MERs. What are the management expense ratios? What are the fees you're paying? So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's say the fees are similar. Okay, well, should you look at performance then? Well, that's tricky. Because what if the one, one institution has all the risky assets mm-hmm. and they're hitting lights out because they're all in you know, the Googles and the Facebooks or, or all the growth stocks in the US. And meanwhile, 
you're in safe real estate or, or bonds or fixed income investments with the other place. So you can't really look at performance in that case. You're not comparing apples to apples. Mm -hmm. Also timing. You could even have the exact same portfolio, but just when you put it in. So if you bought one, um, just happened to be a low month, say in December, you mm -hmm. bought January 1st of this year. Um, what a great time to buy because the market started going up January 4th. Mm -hmm. or you, you, let's say you bought it just two weeks ago. Well, then the market goes down, Trump decides to put on some tariffs, and next thing you know, it's down three or 4%. Right. So even though you have the same portfolio, you could have different returns just based on the timing when you put that money in. Mm -hmm. And then really at the end of the day, looking at both advisors, you should say, okay, what is their role? Is it simply to give investment advice? And I would say no, <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's part of it. And we've talked about that. That's why we're on the yeah. show every, every week. Mm -hmm. is, is, it's a lot more than inv investment advice. Is there any tax planning involved? Are you getting any tax advice so that you can save not only tax now, but a bigger picture is perhaps down the road or even estate taxes, mm -hmm. okay? Saving strategies. What's the best way to save money? And who should you save it to? Um, should it be in your husband's or wife's names? Or should it be in TFSAs? Um, perhaps you even should start putting money away for the kids or our ESPs make more sense. Again, one thing to save money, but are you doing it the most effective way? And again, that's, a, that's the saving strategies. Cash flow management. Well, looking at how much money is coming in and where's it all going? Look at the budget, so to mm -hmm. speak. Everybody's got a budget. It just matters is where you spend your money. Mm -hmm. So look at how you're spending that. Is there better ways to go about it? Okay. Debt strategies consolidating debt. Make sure you don't do any of those payday loans or anything like that. Mm. Um, look at lines of credit. Perhaps you're getting a, a loan that say prime plus three, but if you use the, your house as a, as that, uh, say to lean against it, mm -hmm. you get prime yeah. or prime plus a quarter and save yourself a lot of money. Estate planning again. And really at the end of the day, are you provided a written plan? And does, is that getting reviewed? You should have a written plan all the time. So, mm -hmm. you, and, and again, if anything comes up, you can just refer to that plan, call your advisor and say, okay, I've made some changes. I'm making more money or I had a windfall or there's been a wedding cost. Mm -hmm. How is that affecting my plan? So again, constantly updating the plan so you can see visually how you're making out. Now, just a case in point, I had a, a client of mine's sister called, um, the client called and the sister dealt with the dad's estate mm -hmm. and they went to an advisor and they sold the dad's house and they put it into an account and the TFS saves were moved over to this. And it was with one of the bank um, mm -hmm. brokers. Well, they didn't end up putting it into joint ownership between the sister, this, the brother and the dad, even though he was very ill. Mm -hmm. Well, he ended up passing away about six months later after selling the house. And so it was about $700,000. The cost of probate on that 700,000 is $10,000. Mm -hmm. All he had to do, or she had to do, I don't even know who, you know, female or male broker, was put it into joint ownership. Mm -hmm. And it would have gone right directly to the, um, the two kids, right, yeah. just as the will says, but now it has to go through probate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, a simple thing such as that, but again, there's a 10,000 cost by not knowing going over a real plan. Yeah. Okay, so really, even as, as recently in the budget in 2019, this uh, Ontario budget, they actually want to regulate what is called a financial planner. And I, Annie and I have been talking about this for years. We want to see this. Um, mm -hmm. Having a CFP, you should really have a CFP to be called a financial planner. Mm -hmm. And uh, Andy and I have had that for, oh, I don't know, 30 years, Andy? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and 
based on that, getting good advice so that you know that person has the credentials to go forward. Right now in Ontario, anybody can still say, oh yes, I'm a financial planner and they don't have those uh, credentials beside their name. Yeah. So it is a little tricky right now. I'm glad to see the Ontario government is pushing for this. And uh, really, uh, it's such a big deal right now because people are living longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, there's uh, Canadians are facing retirement income crisis, to be honest. One in five will be over 65 by 2024. That's only five years from now. Yeah. 20% <laughs> of the population in Canada will be over 65. Well, I think they need some retirement planning. <laughs> okay. Yeah, really. And they're living longer to boot. Um, less than 23% have made an RSP contribution in 2016. There's almost a trillion dollars of RSP room available right now. Hmm. So people aren't putting money away. And TFSAs are actually being used more for short term than long term. Right now, 47 cents in every dollar is taken out of a TFSA for every dollar invested. Hmm. So more, it's almost 50-50, so. Not sticky. It's not sticky, as you know, absolutely. <laughs> so going through this, get a proper ad- advisor, a, a true financial planner, and it is better to consolidate. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Do Canadians know their retirement system? What does uh-huh. this mean? Uh, I came across a survey about uh, the knowledge base of, our, of, the, of Canadians in general mm-hmm. regarding our retirement systems. And I thought it was fascinating to me, and and the premise of this study, which was done by the uh, Retirement and Savings Institute out of Montreal, and this was an index done with 3,000 Canadians, which were surveyed back in December 2018, and the age group that they surveyed was between age 35 and 54. Mm -hmm. And the reason they were targeting age 35 to 54 is that that is the accumulation phase in which people are actually saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. And and it's such a critical phase because if you're not armed with the right knowledge and uh, information, then clearly you can make a lot of mistakes in that phase and it's hard to catch up, mm-hmm. right? When you think about, oh, I'm now I'm 57 and I didn't figure this out 20 years ago, mm-hmm. then uh, I've got, I'm really behind the eight ball, right? Yeah. So we sort of muddle through that phase from 35 to 54, that 20 year period. Uh, but it's so critical in terms of understanding what should we be doing in, in terms of pre- being prepared for retirement income. Mm-hmm. And so the, the purpose of the knowledge is, was to discover through a series of 29 questions and six of those questions were general knowledge questions. So Scott, prepare yourself. Oh, get, no. get, 
go. All right. We've got some quiz time. Listeners, get your pencil and uh, and paper ready. You can write down the answers for these six general question knowledge, uh, knowledge questions as well. And then 23 questions that were program specific. So this would mm-hmm. be around TFSAs, RRSPs, um, old age security, mm-hmm. Canada Pension Plan, GIS, and uh, employer-sponsored plans as well. So, um, you know, not that people need to be an expert in these things, but certainly from the standpoint of prioritizing what you're doing and how, what you're saving, where your savings should be going sure. uh, and not making mistakes, um, it, it's, it's important to have a good working knowledge of this or seek help. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, that's what I think part or, of Or just host an IG show. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that, that really helps. Although we're about to see how much. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll let you, I'll let you know in advance oh, okay. that on average, uh, the, 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 the group got two out of the six correct. Two oh, out of wow. six. Okay. So that's a that's a definitely more pressure. A, yeah. <laughs> I think you can do better. I think you can get to fifty percent for sure. Um, and I, again, I guess the, the main thing that they linked and they discovered the link in is that as you increase literacy around uh, finances and certainly retirement income planning, um, the guiltier you feel, the more prepared you are for retirement. The more prepared you right. are for retirement. Yep. Yeah, but you don't want to. If you find out there's a big gap, I guess you have two choices, right? You can just throw in the hat. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or you can, or that can be the momentum to, to make sure. some changes, right? The catalyst. Uh, yeah, it might be like finding out your cholesterol's over the uh, you know over the top. You, there you, you go. know, what do you do? Do you just go eat some donuts or do you? <laughs> <laughs> Or do you start a new plan? Yeah. <laughs> Let's have some financial donuts. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and uh, and just some, some quick highlights of the overall survey. Um, it turns out, we can pat ourselves on the back here, that the Ont- Ontario had the highest score hmm. uh, at only 37.8%. Oh. We're, we're able to yeah. pass. It's a bell curve. Uh, Atlantic was the lowest at 33.1. Really? Mm. Okay, well, um, not a big difference between No, them. there isn't because the average overall was 36.5%. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. we're right across the country. Everybody's basically Similar. failing, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I hate to say it. but um, Is there a bell curve? No, we didn't bell it. No, there's no bell. <laughs> and um, and some things which seemed probably obvious but were reaffirmed by the study was that the older you were, the more likely you were to have correct answers just mm-hmm. through experience. And as you as you approach that age 54 uh, age group, obviously, they're getting closer to retirement. So they've sure. probably explored a little more, yeah. uh, whereas the 35-year-olds, not so much. So age 35 to 39 had the lowest scores at 32%. Age 50 to 54 had the highest scores at 40.2%. Education had a, an important factor too. Those with a, a degree had about forty-five percent answer. Those that were high school or less were thirty percent. And income also had a bracket. I guess the more you make, the more concerned you are about yeah, trying to replace it. Sense. But forty-six percent making over one hundred and twenty k passed, and then uh, if you made less than thirty k, it was twenty-two percent. So if you think about, I'm, I want to introduce you to the six general questions. Okay. All right, here we go, and. Um, there's no pressure here, but this first question, 82% of respondents got it right. Okay. 82%. Right. Okay. But now, this is about compound interest. Okay. Here we go. Suppose you had $100 oh, in a, a savings question. account. <laughs> you have to start with a math question? Are you sweating? Yes, you, I am. Uh, <laughs> I can tell. No, that's just my blood pressure going up. <laughs> uh, See, uh, suppose you had $100 in a savings account. Mm-hmm. And an, and an interest rate was 2% per year. After five years, right. 
How much do you think you would have in the account if you left the money to grow during those five years? Um, without a calculator? <laughs> <laughs> Can I use your fingers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is it a multiple choice? <laughs> You think I'm going to make it easy for you? 82% got this right, guys. So you, you can you can kind of think about, you. I'll give you a hint. You're making $2 a year. And sorry, how but many years? But it's compounded. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Five so years. Five years. So it's over $110. Excellent, Don. Excellent. It's over that. I it's hear you're, that. you're, you're, you're edging, you're 100, edging closer to 82%. But it's under 150 It oh, would yeah. be. Yes. All it right. How's that for an answer? All right, I'll write that down. A bracket answer. <laughs> more, less, more than I this. I thought you but would do that in your head. More than this, yeah. but less than that. Yeah, pass me a cheat sheet. Yeah, you go okay. 100 times 1.02 times 1.02 times 1.025 All right, so you times. got the math, so I'm going to give you a check mark on that. So you, right. there's no way. Does it matter per- that it came from Don and not me? <laughs> no, I'll give you that. There's no way 82% got this right without a calculator. Yeah, I can tell you yeah, that right now. Yeah, okay, well, I'm not going to give you the, the actual answer until right. the end. Uh, Question two is about purchasing power. Imagine that the interest rate on your savings account was 1%. Mm -hmm. uh, 1% per year. And inflation was 2% per year. Yeah. After one year, the money in this account would be able to buy, and this is a multiple choice one, so I'm just going to save you here. After one year, the money in this account would be able to buy more or number two, exactly the same, or number three, less than today. Less, yeah, less. So your answer is less than today. Okay. How many got that right? 64%. You're got to be kidding. The first <laughs> no, one, 82%. No, more on the first one? Yeah. You guys struggled on Were the first one. Were there a list one. of tools that we needed to uh, <laughs> I think prepare. he didn't give us, he <laughs> yeah, didn't give us the, the multiple calculator. choice answers. Yeah. I know, it's true. That would help. Uh, the next question is, the title is bonds. Mm-hmm. Bonds. If interest rates rise, what will typically happen to bond prices? Will they go up, down, or stay the same? They go down, don't they? So pick down. Okay. All right. I wish he'd tell us if we were right or wrong <laughs> right away instead of waiting till the end. Yeah. This is oh, suspense is killing There's me. There's only here. six questions, though. Yeah. Uh, number four debt doubling. Debt doubling. Debt doubling. Suppose you owe $1,000 on a loan and the interest rate you are charged is 20% per year compounded annually. Oh, man. If you didn't pay anything off, at this interest rate, how many years would it take for the amount you owe to double from 1000 to 2000 And there's no multiple choice here. Okay, you know what? I'm going to give you a multiple choice because you guys are sweating. Um I don't feel bad as long as he's sweating. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's the rule of 72. Okay. Is how often the money doubles. Divide 72 by that number. So 72 divided by 20 is 3.6 years. 3.6 is Don's answer. Now, okay. how would I possibly know that, Andy? I didn't know the 72. I don't know. I thought you'd been listening for the last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody out there in Radioland know that answer? <laughs> Uh, okay, question five is about diversification. Mm-hmm. True or false? You're feeling good already. Yeah, I'm all this already. <laughs> I'm good. True or false? False. Buying, oh, I'm sorry. I'll wait for the question. By buying a single company's stock, 
usually provides a safer return than a stock mutual fund? False. Okay, false. And How question, come these are getting easier? Yeah. Question six is about a mortgage. True or false? Okay. A 15-year mortgage typically requires higher monthly payments than a 30-year mortgage, but the total interest paid over the life of the loan will be less. True or false? Do you want me to read it again? Yeah, read that one again. Okay. A 15-year mortgage right. typically requires higher monthly payments than a 30-year mortgage, mm -hmm. but the total interest paid over the life of the loan will be less. With a 15? Yeah. That's true. Your answer is true. The quicker you can pay off those mortgages, <clears throat> less interest you pay. Yeah. Okay. So here's the score. You, uh, you got that. So question one, the answer was- They'll be uh, asking for a new host for the show. Compound interest question. 82% got this correct at $110 and 41 cents. Yeah. 41 Without cents. a calculator, there's not a chance. Yeah. 82% did yeah. that. Wow. So they must have had a calculator. Yeah. I, I think you're right. <clears throat> so you guys, uh, I, I'm going to give you a half mark. Oh, because you said between 110 and 150. He's uh, tough. Did you get a calculator? You, you, well, no, you actually, you had the 110. I was. You did have the 110. Yeah, you did. I knew it was more than 110, but yeah. not much more. Uh, the answer to the purchasing power question, uh, you got correct. Mm -hmm. It is less than today. So 1% savings account, but 2% inflation. After one year, you would have less purchasing power. 64% got that right. Mm -hmm. uh, the question on bonds. If interest rates rise, what typically will happen to a bond price? It goes down. Fantastic. You are correct. Mm -hmm. Only 20% wow. of people got that right. Maybe that's because so there's- been it, And maybe that is um, because it's safer and people just think that- What should say the same. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. That's probably yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Uh, does that give me a half a mark back for yeah, the first question? Yeah, I think question? it does. <laughs> I'll give it to you. I think he's getting a little stingy debt on that first one. Debt doubling, you didn't give me an answer on that one. He's a better financial planner. So Don gave me an answer, but he's Scott a, didn't give me He's an a answer. better financial planner than he would be a teacher. Oh, That's wow. true. Yeah, hell of a I'm, mark. I'm hard, yeah, yeah, I'm hard for sure. <laughs> and the answer uh, was? Uh, debt doubling. Suppose you owe $1,000 on a loan, 20% interest rate. You don't pay anything uh, on it. How long would it take to double that debt to 2000 The answer is 3.5 years, and Don said 3.6 without a calculator. Jeez. I would give him that What for a sure. brainiac. Wow. Yeah. Scott got that one wrong. Yeah. But only 37% got that right. Rule of 72, That was Scott. the second, second I didn't worst. I know that one. Second worst. I uh, missed that class. Diversification, <laughs> buying a single stock is a sa a safer than a stock mutual fund. The answer is false. You got that correct, Scott. 61% yeah. got that correct. And the mortgage answer, 15-year uh, mortgage requires higher monthly payments than a 30-year, but total interest paid over the life will be less. The answer is true. And you got that correct as well. 76% of survey got that right. So you ended up with one, two, three, four point five. <laughs> out of six. <laughs> and Four thank and a half you, out of six. And thank you for that half, Andy. You're uh, welcome. You're welcome. That was the compound interest. You know, that's a B. Yeah. That is a B. It's a strong no, B. Strong B, because you really should have had the first one it's if a you B had a calculator. Plus. Really? Yeah, this, I'm enjoying plus. this. This yeah. is fun. Wow. Yeah, a little power trip for here Andy. Here. Yeah, let us read you know the what? questions. I've got more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's okay. I already figured all the answers yeah, out yeah, before yeah. I sat down. So we'll answer. change the numbers. That, this, I have a feeling you're going to do them better. Out of order. I have a feeling you're going to do really well on this one. All right. Uh, by the way, um, 
Oh, I did give you the answer. So anyway, the, uh, this is question, and there's a couple of other sections, but I'm only going to cover uh, one more, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about RRSPs and TFSA questions. So these were six questions that were asked through the 3,000 respondents, and the first question is about contributions. According to you, are the contributions made to an RRSP or a TFSA deductible from taxable income? Yeah. Are the contributions made to an RRSP or to a TFSA deductible from taxable income? The RSP is. So the answer is RSP, okay? Question two is withdrawal. According to you, when money is withdrawn from an RRSP or from a TFSA, is it subject to income tax in the year of withdrawal? Um, the RSP is. So your answer is RSP, Okay. Question three is about returns. Money invested in an RRSP or in a TFSA can generate returns in the form of interest, dividends, or capital gains. According to you, are these returns subject to income tax in the year during which they are generated? No. Your answer is no. Okay. Penalties. Penalties. According to you. Is there a penalty associated with withdrawing money from an RRSP or from a TFSA before retirement? Um, No, you just pay more. The TFSA wouldn't matter. And the RSP, you wouldn't pay a penalty, but you'd lose tax. Okay. So the answer is no. Yeah. And uh, only 13% got that one right. Future rights. I should be richer. (laughs) 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 Knowledge is only good if you implement it. (laughs) And he does. Let's assume. Whip crack sound effect here. (laughs) Future rights. Let's assume you withdraw $1,000 from an RRSP or from a TFSA. According to you, will this withdrawal be added to your future contribution room? I'll read that one again quickly. Let's assume you withdraw $1,000 from an RRSP or from a TFSA. According to you, will this withdrawal be added to your future contribution room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But not, yeah, you, it wouldn't for the, um, for the RSP. Excellent. Oh my God. Okay, there's, 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 I think there's some bonus. You know, if having RSP and, and, and RSP and a TFSA has made this easier. Okay. Uh, Maximum age is the final question. In your opinion, is there a maximum age at which the funds must be withdrawn from an RRSP or a TFSA? RSP, RSP, yes. Well, out of six, you get six and a half because I'm giving you the bonus points for identifying that that contribution room does not get added to the RSP plus it doesn't affect the TFSA. You might want to give that half a mark to Don. No, I think I think you need to put that half a mark to the previous one. So now you have to five out of six. So overall, people did much much more poorly on this area. Fifty-one uh, percent. The lowest, as I say, was about penalties. The future rights for contribution. Only fifteen percent of people got that correct. So. Clearly, there's a lot of information gaps out there, but you did very well, Scott. Congratulations. Thank you. And you, the rest of you, can be just as smart as me by calling Don and Andy. <laughs> uh, we are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. 
com. Talking about planning for 100. Hey, wait a second. You guys, cut. I've got three more surveys I can do oh, here for oh, testing oh, you. Oh, no? Oh, all right. No, next all right. week. Go ahead. Right. No, we no. had so much fun with that. <laughs> it's Ten, your show. $10.41 interest, 2% compounding. <laughs> Who gets that without a calculator? <laughs> I don't feel bad. No, nobody. 82% or something, apparently, but I I have a feeling they were given a calculator. Um, Planning for 100. Quite interesting. Um, All those little tips that we just went over, that Andy just went over, um, would all help you actually plan your financial plan for 100. Mm -hmm. Interesting enough, it seems like who the heck wants to plan for 100? Like, first of all, my dad only lived to 74, or my dad only, my uncle died at this age. Mm-hmm. British government estimates right now, any newborn, which I guess, uh, Harry, you just... Uh, Archie. Archie. Archie, yes. Archie mm-hmm. the newborn. He has a, Archie has a one in three chance if he was a random child in Britain, never mind royalty. One in three chance of making 100 right now. Probably has a more chance. Yeah. I would suggest he probably has a hundred percent. Look at Prince Philip; he's already almost there. <laughs> exactly. Or even Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, she's ninety-four. Yeah, ninety-five. Yeah, there. Yeah, somewhere up there. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't be yeah. shocked if no, Queen that's Elizabeth too old. I think 200. he's ninety-two. He's, he's ninety-two, he's, and she's ninety. I don't yeah. know. I could be wrong. Yeah. A lot up there, but it's not a big deal. Like, oh, the fact they made ninety. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You. They don't look as good. Well, Centurion is the biggest, uh, fastest growing area, fastest growing demographic. Right. One out of three right now is what they estimate. And if you knew you were going to live to 100, what would you do differently? Now, you could Relax. Take, yeah. <laughs> 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 and it's interesting because everything we do, it, some of these are just little lines in the sand that we say, well, you retire at 65 because most way back, you only lived to average 68. Yeah. Well, they didn't really change that retirement age. It hasn't changed at all. And no. Meanwhile, if you live to 100, you have 35 years of retirement. That's an awfully long time. Education, I thought, was very interesting. If you if you knew you're going to live to 100, you better uh, update your education. A lot of the companies you work for yeah. will provide free education if you take the courses. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of the stuff you're doing now will be obsolete mm. a couple times. Good point, yeah. <laughs> so you better keep going and making sure that you're, 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 you're relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, working past 65 will happen far more regularly because you're spending so much time in retirement. It, and really... Do what you really want to do. Really enjoy it. If you're gonna li- if you're gonna work a long time, like already, work can be a forty year, mm-hmm. from you know twenty five to sixty five. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you're gonna work a next job or your next career, make it a fun one. Canada pension plan and, and old age security. Well, do you take it at sixty for the Canada pension plan, or do you tar- start your OAS at sixty five, like most people do, or do you defer it to seventy? And I quickly did a. A Canada pension plan, and if you're going to get a thousand dollars a month at 65, you'd end up with 640 if you started at 60, mm. and you'd end up with 1420 dollars a month at age 70. What? What does? The, what? How much difference does that make? Mm. With no inflation, nothing else, and and it actually only makes it even more um, relevant to have it increase because of inflation. If you started at 60, by the time you ha- got to 100, you would have taken out 307 thousand out of the Canada pension plan. Start at 65. 420000 So another $113,000 extra by starting 65 versus 60. Mm-hmm. If you wait to 70, you'll end up with $511,000 of dollars coming out of the Canada Pension Plan that you would have received by age 100. Yeah. By age yeah. 100. So <clears throat> another 90000 more. And again, that's, that's on the low side because of indexing. You have to look at inflation in you know, making sure it's inflation-proofing your investments. Because one thing is, the nice thing about OES and CPP 
is they are indexed with inflation. But things such as your investments, you, you may want to have a bit more in equities. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you're all in fixed income investments, they will not keep up with inflation. Groceries that cost you right now $650 a month right now will cost you $1,424 a month Yee. at 2.5% inflation. And that's probably being a little on the realistic side. I love that uh, new annuity um, proposal that uh, came out in the last budget of, of an annuity starting at age 85. So you put some money in. And it's longevity insurance. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bonus and you start getting this new income at age 85. Those would become very popular. And mm-hmm. I, I would definitely recommend those to my clients. I yeah. hope it does become law. Mm. Um, keep physically active and mentally active. Well, if you're going to live that long, you, you want to make sure you're in good you shape. You want to be doing something. Yeah. <laughs> um, having the right combination of tax-free savings accounts and RSPs. A lot of things Andy s- said, you know, making sure you're being paying the least amount of tax possible. And really, at the end of the day, when you're looking at planning for 100, now, what difference does it make if I said, let's plan for 90? You should be looking at all these anyway. Okay, but planning 100 has more a bit of a ring to it. It's a lifelong financial solvency test. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. You've got to plan this a long time and making sure you have a really good planner. So, again, some of the biggest mistakes that I find people have come across is... Uh, the incorrect use of leverage. They'll go borrow and uh, for investments or borrow for a lot of things. And then they'll, uh, if they borrow for investments, it's tax deductible, but they'll often let the investments pay for the interest. They take very high risk type strategies and they end up losing the money. Mm-hmm. You cannot afford to lose your money if you're going live to live to 100. Um, again, having too much allocation in the higher risk area. Um, and what I mean by that is one thing is like, Often you'll go into the, what's the next best area. And mm-hmm. right now, let's say the uh, Googles and the Facebooks, Netflix is kind of the hot area right now, the, yeah. the growth area. Well, just because it is now doesn't mean what it will be later. Mm-hmm. So you need to have a proper diversified portfolio that does have some of those. Oh, I know they just, um, uh, Uber, for example, just had a public offering, yes. right? Yeah. So, yeah. but you know, they, they're, lift. they're losing, you know, $350 million a quarter. So they're not mm-hmm. making money. Yeah. And yeah. the same thing would be true about Tesla and the other. So they're not yeah. actually making any profit. Will they though? Right. Absolutely. And then, and then one last one would be excessive use of whole life insurance. You know, those people that just simply try to put money in a whole life insurance policies, just to kind of put money away for whatever purpose. Well, if you're going to live to hundred, you may need that money. And it it's really comes down to, yes, it's nice to leave an estate, but I want to leave see people maximize their fun while they're alive. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Give while you live. Give while you live. And, uh, you know, as whether you're a, a father, a mother, a grandparent, and, and, and a lot of us, and as Don and I are talking with our clients who have done well over their life and, and have accumulated wealth, it's pretty common that you start to consider financial gifts mm-hmm. uh, to adult children or grandchildren while you're still alive instead of doing it in addition to a regular inheritance, doing it at death. Mm-hmm. And um, literally in the last week, I came across two scenarios where uh, parents have decided to help out adult children. Mm-hmm. And um, in one situation, 
the uh, the client is in her uh, 80s and um, her son is getting divorced mm. and um, the disruption to that the family unit and everything else yeah. her goal was to help him stay in the family house mm-hmm. uh, so she has two children the son and daughter and um, and so at this point the plan is what would be involved in terms of giving him a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars towards this being able to restructure his life. The second scenario was a client who, um, again, has done very well, and they're looking at helping out a son who had bought a home uh, in a rural area, and the property around it is now up for sale. Mm. So instead of sort of losing control about what might happen around the home, Mm. um, it's about uh, 10 acres, they're going to help him buy it, Mm. um, and it's going to cost Mm $300,000. So in both cases, parents are basically saying, you know what, we we think we're going to, with the help of, you know, Andy and Don, we figured out that Mm. we're okay. And at the end of the day now, uh, how do we best do this? And um, so, but in general, when you're thinking about gifting while you're alive, for most situations, we hear about people wanting to do it to help pay down a mortgage, um, scenarios where maybe um, uh, there's going to be a renovation, um, there's more grand- growing family, they don't have enough space, they either right. have to move or renovate their house. It might be to help pay for a wedding. It might be a fund to help um, post-secondary education, so setting up RESPs for grandchildren, et cetera. So there's lots of great reasons, right, that people will think about doing this while they're alive. And sometimes the gifts can be small. It might just be, you know, five grand, Mm -hmm. or in the cases I'm talking about, 100 grand or 300,000. And um, so what's the benefit to you as a parent or grandparent when you're thinking about doing this process or gifting? First of all, there's no there's no tax restrictions or tax implications to the child receiving the money. Mm-hmm. You know, you can gift. I can gift money to you, Scott. But there's mm-hmm. no no implications. No, yeah, you don't have to no pay any tax on it. It's mm-hmm. it's yours to do with as you wish, as if it were a lottery. And um, uh, obviously, the beneficiaries I think get to enjoy the gift today and gain some insights maybe on how to use that money to best firm up better firm up their own financial situation. And it might help firm up your own finance, your own estate planning as well. So the big advantage too, while you're doing this, is it can reduce or minimize some of the probate tax because you're doing this in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means the money is already off of your net worth so that at the time of death, you're not paying probate tax on that. Future growth on that money is now taxed in the hands of the adult child as well. So, you know, there's certainly some advantages from that perspective and, um, you know, we're not trying to do everything just to try and avoid probate, but clearly gifting while you're alive, as Don was talking about, switching things to joint ownership, mm-hmm. you know, prior to death. These are all strategies to avoid the um, probate tax as well. Only if you only knew <coughs> when you were going to pay. I know. Oh, it makes it so just much easier. The night before. We'd have the perfect well, plans is, for people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet, yeah. This is the big consideration when you think about somebody and contemplating gift. And as I did with both clients in this situation, we took a look at what the tax implications were to do it. So if they're selling investments, they're mm-hmm. triggering capital gains, here's what that's going to be. You're paying it now. Yeah. You're going to pay it at some point, but you know, here's what it means today. Um, you know, but really the future factors is Don's talking about living to a hundred. What what health risks may be there down the road? Will that cause a financial strain to you if you gift this money now? You don't want to be right. knocking on your children's door necessarily yeah, asking back. for the money back. Um, 
and basically ensuring that your early inheritance, another big concern, obviously, as we talked about divorce, um, is making sure that that money goes to the right person mm-hmm. or persons, right? Mm-hmm. And this is particularly important in blended families. And um, so when I think about how you structure it, we talked about in one case, it would basically be uh, not an outright gift, but it would be in the form of a promissory note and what we call a demand loan. So 0% interest, no interest payments at all. Uh, and in fact, it would be forgiven at death. And that's something you'd probably want to address in your right. will. Uh, but in the case of a, an, a, a further marriage breakdown, or uh, plus this separates the money in terms of um, uh, bankruptcy, et cetera, you can access capital right. through that. But it, um, you know, it definitely gives you a little bit more control. Um, the other, the other situation where they were buying property was a formal loan in the, in, in the sense there was an amortization period, like a mortgage, 25 years, right. there was an interest rate associated with it and payments that were going to be made on a, on a monthly or annual basis. And, uh, and then the final question comes, which is around state equalization. So where money now is going to one child in advance, how do you equalize it to the other children yeah. in the family? Yeah. Uh, is it something, can you afford to do it now right away? So while I'm giving you 100000 you know what? I'm going to give my other child 100000 right. too and just be done with it. So right. you guys, whatever happens, happens. Or is it something that's going to be addressed in the will where it's documented that one received 100000 At death, that 100000 would be taken off the total right. of their share and, and so one would get more than the other. And it, so a lot of things to think about. You know, you definitely want to talk to your lawyer and uh, review how that might change your will and what should be in your will. And, um, and even an accountant, just understand what those tax implications might be in terms of lending or gifting versus an outright, uh, or sorry, lending it formally versus an outright gift. All right, we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, have everybody. A great week. Enjoy the weekend. Have a great weekend.